You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a bite-sized podcast that brings you real-world insights that help go-to-market professionals evolve and stay up-to-date on the latest trends. Join us as we share best practices and proven techniques from industry experts and practitioners. Today's episode is made possible by Demand Matrix. Demand Matrix helps you complete your data stack with technographic, intent, and revenue potential data to help you accelerate revenue. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Sunday Side Up. I'm your host, Michael Chia. Today, I'm super excited to talk to Nikki Harrell about creating successful talent program for sales. Nikki leads early career program for America's demand generation teams at Amazon Web Services. In that role, she is responsible for developing and scaling program that fuels the early sales talent pipeline, including a summer sales intern program and sales rotation program for early career hires. Nikki has over 20 years of experience in sales strategy, operations, and enablement. Prior to AWS, Nikki held roles in sales strategy and operations at CB, Gartner, and MicroStrategy. Nikki, super excited to talk to you. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Mitul. It's great to be here. So Nikki, this this seems like a pretty unique program, you know, like creating early early career or early sales hires and train them and put them in the funnel. Can you talk a little bit about what this program is about, all about, what your charter is? Sure. So, you know, we're growing so quickly at AWS. And one of the things that we're finding is, you know, we need to keep a constant pipeline of early career sales talent um, flowing through to fuel the growth that we're having. And, you know, as the leaders in the organization were thinking through the various mechanisms we might be able to use to, um, to fuel that growth and bring in that early career talent, it became clear that um, leveraging and intern program, specifically for us at the summer intern program, um, in conjunction with a sales rotation program that sort of becomes, you know, part two of the internship sort of, um, would be the right way for us to really begin to um, build the, the, the talent pool, the early career talent pool at scale for the organization. So for us, it's, you know, it's a, it's a summer intern program that, you know, successful candidates come back to us um, the following year and they begin a rotation program for two years that starts to develop them um, into field sellers. Very interesting. So when you say intern, is it mainly college, you know, hires or college interns or it can be anybody like, I mean, I don't know, yeah. I'm coming from a different background. <laughs> fair. That's a fair question. So these are college students. Um, the vast majority of them are rising seniors as they um, complete their internship with us. But there is a small segment of them that are rising juniors. So we do allow for the opportunity for an individual to um, intern with us on multiple years, right? So we've got a handful of folks that are going to rejoin us next summer um, after having just completed an internship with us this summer. So it gives us an opportunity to sort of build on the experience as they had in prior years, which is much what we're trying to do as we bring them in full time after they've graduated into our sales um, rotation program, where you're basically building on the experiences that they that they had as an intern, so that we can more quickly ramp them to um, seller roles over time. Very interesting. And is this a specific discipline you guys go and hire from? It can be any discipline. 
Great question. So pretty much any university that has a um, a business program, we look at those those universities that have top business programs. There are fewer universities that have sales specific programs, but those are definitely ones that we really like. And then um, you know, as we think about um, where we're going to um, recruit for our interns, we definitely also have a diversity and inclusion lens um, where we then curate separately a list of um, historically Black colleges and universities, or HBCUs, um, as well as Hispanic-serving institutions, or HSIs, um, that really do help us to round out, ensuring that we are exposing as diverse a community of, of students to the opportunity at AWS. That is fantastic. So you you have a separate program for you know underprivileged or maybe diverse um, you know ethnicity, and this program is specifically catered towards them. Yeah. So pretty much with everything that that we do, we apply a diversity lens. We want to make sure that we are capturing the absolute top talent, right? And oftentimes um, that top talent, especially diverse top talent, might not be found in the places where you might typically look, right? So um, to simply go out to universities that have top business programs without also looking at universities that specifically cater to um, black and brown students um, is, 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 is a miss, right? You need to make sure that you're casting the net as wide as possible to capture the top across all of the various um, universities that we could go to. So, for example, I used to work for an organization that only looked at top-tier universities, full stop. And top-tier universities come with a major price tag in many cases. And that puts those universities out of reach for a number of um, of diverse students that come from other backgrounds where socioeconomically they can't afford that. And so for us, it's really about making sure that we are exposing as many people to the opportunity at AWS and then um, applying the same um, rigor to the assessment process across all of those candidates and, and, and collecting the top. And that top, we have found using this mechanism, we found that that top ends up netting you a pretty diverse group of people. That's very interesting. So I guess I'm going to ask you a two-parted question, you know, in this is that how do you initiate and execute, you know, a sales talent program in such a large and diverse organization as, as AWS? It's a great question. Um, in some ways, I think I might be still figuring it out. Um, <laughs> but um, but in truth, um, I think that what's important is first on working backwards from where you're, the roles you're trying to fill, right? So understanding specifically what we're trying to accomplish. And for us, it's about building a sales pipeline of of talent that will be able to take on individual contributors, seller roles in 18 to 24 months. Um, and so for us, it's really about understanding at a granular level, what are the skills and competencies that are necessary to be exceptional in those roles, you know, to, to be able to hit the ground running in those roles. And from there, understanding what are the experiences and the unique professional development and training um, that you need to deliver to those individuals to help support the acquisition of those skills in a more accelerated fashion, right? So it's for us, it's not just about um, understanding what the skills are and 
and training to them, but then it's also about adding on experiences that help to accelerate the learning and thus accelerate the acquisition of the skills needed so that a person can, you know, shorten their time to productivity in a brand new you know, individual contributor sales role um, versus someone who didn't come through an accelerated program like the one we're trying to build. Um, so that's the first thing I'd say. Um, and then uh, you can't underestimate the importance of the culture building component, right? So, you know, you can do a lot to ensure that an individual understands your customer and understands your product, understands your industry. But if you don't also take the time to ensure that your earliest career hires understand the culture of the organization, you could end up with organ rejection, right? You might have someone who's exceptional at all of the KPIs without really understanding how the organization works and how to work within the organization to thrive. And without that culture building, you'll have some folks who feel sort of other or outside the culture. And those are the folks that aren't going to stay, right? They're going to look for the next opportunity and take the skills that we've taken the time and investment to, um, to ensure that they've built and they'll take those skills elsewhere. So for us, the culture component is super important as well. So do you look for culture fit first and then skills secondary? It's interesting that you would ask that question because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, most of the folks that we're bringing into the org early career aren't going to have a body of work that gives us a lot of information about their skills, right? But they will have a body of work that they can talk about that gives us a lot of information about culturally who they are, how they work, how they work. And for us, I'm sure people know about this. I'm sure your listeners know about Amazon's leadership principles. There are 14 leadership principles that Amazon uses in its assessment of um, all talent. And it's certainly um, important in the interview process. And for us, we do look for opportunities or we look for um, examples in an intern candidate's experiences, both with school and potentially other internships they've had and maybe with sports that give us some clues into their cultural fit um, vis-a-vis the lens of the leadership principles. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it definitely does. So so again, yeah, you're looking for the cultural fit first based on their um, you know, previous experiences. Yes, exactly. Skills is, I guess skills is definitely something you're going to yeah, we're, we're going to build their skills. Really, for us, it's about making sure that we've got a person who's got the right aptitude to succeed at AWS and has um, an interest in sales, has an interest in cloud technology. Um, and from there, we take on the burden of getting them where they need to be in terms of the skills that they need to develop to be a successful intern who then um, successfully um, achieves a, an offer for full-time employment and then once they've started in full time, it's our responsibility to give them the skills and tools that they need so that they can build a career as an individual contributor in sales. So somebody who's from outside, this is my understanding, you know, that Amazon is a very metrics driven organization. Mm-hmm. So how do you measure success, you know, this program? Great question. The success measures certainly do depend on whether we're talking about our intern program or our rotation program. I'll start with the intern program. For us, it's really about two metrics that I look at. Um, The first is what percentage of, actually, I will take that back. I think there are three metrics. Um, What percentage of our interns receive offers? 
that helps us to understand how well we prepared them, how successful our program was at preparing them to be um, top candidates for a full-time AWS role. Uh, the second, I think, would be um, understanding the metric of um, acceptance rate. So after we've extended these offers, how many of them accept? That gives us a really good sense for how well we were able to get them immersed in the culture of Amazon such that not only do we want them, but they want to be here. Um, and, and I honestly look at that early um, acceptance rate as a really good indicator, right? Because the percentage of my interns who accept their offer in two weeks tells me a lot about how successful we were at making an AWS job full-time a sort of a no-brainer for them. The ones that take a little longer, they get there eventually, right? But I, <laughs> I, I but those are the ones that I think are, you know, weighing other weighing us against other other companies. And ultimately we win, right? If they're a part of our acceptance rate. But that early acceptance rate is super important to me. Now, um, the third thing, um, which I should have probably started with, is you know, in our recruitment process, because for me, how successful our program is has a lot to do with how well we were able to um, get to a diverse group of folks, right? We know that organizations that have diverse employee bases um, outperform those, um, you know, those companies that have more homogeneous employees. And so with that in mind, we want, in order to deliver the best possible outcomes for our customers, we want to ensure that we've got the most diverse staff that we can possibly come up with. And so my intern cohort, when it's um, very diverse, that's success for me as well. Now, as we move to the rotation program, well, obviously the rotation program, and I might not have mentioned this actually, the rotation program is um, where our interns who make it, who, who get a full-time offer and accept that offer, that's their landing spot. They come into our rotation program um, to start their first couple of years enroll. And so for me, there, what we're really looking at is we know that we're going to have, because it's a direct a reflection of our intern cohort, we're going to have a diverse group of folks there. Um, so check, diversity box checked. But the other things to think about for us really are about time to productivity. And I think this is not rocket science. Like for most organizations, it's going to be time to productivity. And because we are calling our program an accelerated rotation program where they get to ex they get exposure to a number of different parts of the sales organization before they sort of have to declare a major at the end, um, it means that we've, we've given them um, a lot of different avenues, um, but we're also in this acceleration ensuring that they've got um, all the right skills to be successful in role. And so for us, it's about, you know, how quickly were they able to achieve their first three or four milestones in role? Um, once they rotate to their second rotation, what are the milestones and how quickly can they get there compared to, and this is important for my particular program because it's new, compared to what their, you know, what the folks who didn't have the benefit of a rotation, what was the standard prior to the rotation launching. So the folks who have come through the same path in prior years, you know, what were the averages for their time to productivity along our primary KPIs compared to our star participants? And sorry, I just realized I'm using an acronym that I have not mentioned yet. That's our sales talent acceleration rotation program. Mm. Okay. That's, that's awesome. So help me understand, does diversity or how diversity plays you know, a role in the success of these kind of earlier career programs? 
I think for the reason that I mentioned earlier that, you know, there's a lot of research out there that says that diverse teams outperform homogenous teams. And so if what we're trying to get to is the highest level of performance, then we have to ensure that we've got diverse, we've got a diverse set of um, candidates to start with, right? So diverse intern cohort, diverse rotation program cohort. And importantly, you know, it's not just about diversity. Diversity is from my perspective, table stakes, right? You've got to have a diverse workforce because that's how you deliver the best possible outcomes for your customer. I think inclusion becomes the thing that we need to focus on because diversity is simply about getting them there, right? So you've got a diverse team, but how well are you able to ensure that they feel valued and that they feel recognized for the work that they do, that that your diverse talent um, feels as included as possible, right? Um, So that they don't feel um, the disengagement that comes from feeling like other within an organization. So the more that we're able to ensure that our... um, our interns and our earliest career full-time hires feel included and feel like their work is valued, um, that's where you get to better outcomes ultimately and better retention. And that retention means, you know, if we can accelerate the growth of, of, of our diverse talent in addition to all of our talent, um, it means that we ultimately get to a place where more of our workforce is, divor- is diverse, right? Because we have um, accelerated the acquisition of those skills and they feel included and valued, and as a result, they stay. And staying is a big part of what make is is a big part of how we're going to assess whether these are successful programs or not. Right, the retention of these individuals long term to the organization did all of the um, investment that we made in developing them pay off for the or- organization long term because they're still here because they have elevated to senior levels within the organization. That's 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 very interesting. In, in in the sense that, do you also have to have an education program for you know, like in your case, enterprise group, you know, all together to make sure that they understand, you know, because as you rightly said, right, having diversity and inclusion, two separate things, that they understand what does this mean and how to, because these these are young, you know, young talent, new talent, emerging talent, they're still you know probably learning the ropes. Mm-hmm. Uh, having them included in, you know, the role, but as well as the whole overall inclusion, do you have a program or do you, do you also have to educate other team members so they understand what does inclusion mean? Oh, absolutely. So, um, you know, Amazon as an organization places a tremendous amount of um, attention and importance on diversity and, and inclusion. Um, and internally, we typically refer to it as inclusion and diversity to make the point that inclusion is so important. Um, and so every member of our organization has a very good sense for what we mean when we say inclusion and diversity at Amazon. Um, so then what we then do is spend time with our earliest career hires, training them on what we mean mm-hmm. by that so that they understand what it means when we say inclusion and diversity at Amazon. Um, Just to give you an example, um, this week and last, we've been running our sort of boot camp training for our most recent cohort of sales rotation folks. And we did not one, but two 
inclusion and diversity sessions with them. We did sort of a inclusion and diversity at Amazon so that they understand baseline what we mean when we talk about inclusion and diversity at Amazon. And we cover things like unconscious bias and microaggressions and some some terms that are some concepts that many of them may not be familiar with. Um, And then we had um, our inclusion and diversity lead for our group um, do a session on uncovering unconscious bias, sort of a workshop that she led with them, um, really making the point, you know, you two sessions on inclusion and diversity in the course of, you know, an eight-day program. I think that tells people what, I mean, that's, that, that helps people understand the importance of it to the organization. And certainly making sure that every employee has a baseline of understanding for what we mean is important to making sure that we all have a common language within the organization to talk about these issues. That is such an important thing to make sure that there's a common language and everybody's talking. Everybody's on the same page, you know, when it comes exactly. to Exactly. Exactly. Fantastic. Well, so if our listeners, somebody's listening and they're thinking about implementing this intern program, um, you know, with inclusion and diversity, what would be your counsel to them? Or what are some of the lessons that uh, lessons learned that would essentially, you know, help them building this program and making it success? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, I think getting buy-in from the business is super important, right? We can't, you know, you can bring in an incredibly diverse group of folks to do an early career job or have an early career uh, sales internship. But if you don't have buy-in from the rest of the organization, so for me, that means ensuring that the sales leaders um, within our larger sales team understand what we're trying to accomplish, what's in it for them long-term, What's in it for them short-term? Because we're going to be making a lot of asks of the business. We ask the business to help manage these interns. We ask the business to help um, create opportunities for projects for these interns. Um, So we need to make sure that they're completely bought into um, what we're trying to accomplish with our interns, what the standards are for the interns, and make sure that we're really well, we're communicating with them well. Um, So I'd say getting business buy-in is super important. Uh, The other thing is to really think critically about um, unique experiences um, that may be impacting um, your interns, particularly right now. So as we think about, you know, COVID-19 and this work from home situation, that created a very different dynamic for this year's intern program than in prior years, right? Um, The ability to learn together doesn't feel quite the same when you're sitting in your bedroom at a desk and there are no peers around you um, also embarking on their very first cold calls, for example, right? They might not have even seen anybody, right? Exactly, exactly. So you meet them, you meet them, you know, virtually, but it's not the same thing. And from a learning perspective, it's really not the same thing um, as you think about, you know, uh, like I said, I'm sitting at home and I've got to make my very first cold call and I can't even hear a peer, you know, in the cubicle next to me talking to a customer and, and, and being able to learn from the mistakes they're making or hearing them say something that I, I recognize as, ooh, that's not how I would say it. But you don't even have that opportunity to learn by osmosis, if you will, or to get off the phone with someone who's just hung up on you and have someone 
to talk to talk to about that experience, right? Without having to, you know, place a phone call to appear, you know, via, you know, web chat or whatever. So I think it's important to understand um, the the varying dynamics. The other thing that um, is an important one for me, especially in the with a lens of um, inclusion and diversity, is understanding the unique backgrounds that these folks might be coming from, as it relates to the work environment that they're able to create or not create for themselves from home, right? So, you know, I, you know, take it for granted that I'm sitting in my office, in my house, and no one's going to interrupt me because I'm in my office, in my house. But for some of our students, that may not be the situation that they're in, especially if they're living at home and they've got younger siblings and their parents are trying to manage working, maybe maybe from home, maybe outside the home during COVID. There are things that we just didn't think about in the right way that, um, or at least didn't, we thought about, but na- maybe not to the level of depth that I'm realizing in retrospect, just making sure that um, we're having open and honest conversations and building trust with our interns such that if they're in an environment that's making it really hard for them to be successful, they're able to share that and know that they're sharing it in a safe space. So those are the, those are, those are two big lessons from my perspective. Um, Obviously the second one is, is, you know, sort of situational and hopefully we won't be in this situation for too much longer. Um, But those are two. Um, The other is really, you know, feedback you need a feedback mechanism and a feedback loop. Um, We spent the summer with our interns surveying them weekly. That might seem like overkill. We tried to keep the the number of questions to a bare minimum, but we needed to be able to collect information early on and frequently throughout the program that would help us evolve the program on the fly. So for example, we got to about week three and it was as though all of our interns were raising their hands and screaming, uncle. We worked so hard to develop a program that was going to be um, immersive and engaging and not have anyone sitting at home twiddling their thumbs or even wanting to twiddle their thumbs that we might have overdone it in the first three weeks. And so the interns screamed uncle and we responded and we made adjustments to the balance of our program to ensure that they had the time they needed to not just learn the concepts and understand the concepts and maybe even put some of them to practice, but also to get to know other interns and get to know the teams that they were that they were sitting on and understand more about Amazonian culture. So, you know, survey, I cannot, I cannot underestimate how important it is to get that feedback frequently and then to act on that feedback as you receive it. So is this, that's such a, such a, <clears throat> such an interesting point. So this feedback, is it like anonymous or they know that they're providing the feedback and, you know, you know where the feedback, this feedback is coming from. Anytime people are just not comfortable, right? I mean, like, yes, you're absolutely right. Feedback, so, I'm new to the company. Yeah, you're right. And so that's why we do anonymous surveys because what's most important what's most important to us is that we get the feedback. Now every now and again and this is, you know, a challenge. Every now and again you'll get a piece of feedback that you'd really love to follow up on. 
but you can't because you don't have the details on the individual. Um, and so you have to do a little bit more sleuthing to try to figure out where, you know, if, if you've got a defect in your process somewhere, you need to try to figure out um, how to solve it, even though you don't know who the individual is. But the feedback that we do get anonymously, especially because in aggregate, you may see some trends, um, is super important to us in terms of um, evolving the program and evolving the program, not just in the moment, as I mentioned, but also for the future. So there, there are some things that we will do differently in 2021 um, based on some feedback that we received from some of our exit surveys, for example. Got it. Got it. Are there certain colleges where you have seen more success than others that have specific sales talent or sales, not talent, but sales specific programs? Um, not really. Um, you know, I was looking at a list of all of the colleges that were represented by our cohort of interns this past summer, and the University of like Central or Western Central Michigan, I forget the name of it. There was some school that I'd never heard of in Michigan. We had five students, but I don't believe that that's because they were necessarily more, they were going to be more successful. I think it was simply, we must have had a different in kind level of, of exposure in that organ in that school. Um, but no, to answer your question just outright, I don't believe that we have seen any trends that would say that there's a specific school. Um, I think what, what, what we're learning is that any school can be a school that delivers us top talent for our sales internship and, and rotation programs. I think that, um, that that speaks to the point I was making earlier about casting the net as wide as possible, because we have to remember that the reason a student ends up at a particular school isn't 100% based on their aptitude and their, you know, and their scholastic record, right? There are so many other things that go into that. Proximity to home based on having to have home responsibilities or simply not being comfortable being that far away from home. Um, socioeconomic, like whether I can afford that school, which school gave me the best financial aid package. And so given all of those things, I think it's important not for us to, for us to not sort of pigeonhole schools based on, you know, or pigeonhole students based on the schools that they come from. That's such a that's such a great point. Well, with that, I think this is such an interesting topic, Nikki. I think we can talk forever. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we'll have to do version two on this, you know. But uh, thank you so much for being on the show. I really enjoyed having you, you know, on a podcast. I'm sure our listeners would gain some interesting perspective from this if they are thinking about intern programs, or if not, that they might start thinking about the intern program and uh, gain this insight and knowledge. Absolutely. This has been a pleasure. I've, I've so enjoyed the conversation and you're right. We, I, I could talk about this for hours for sure. Um, <laughs> so it's probably best that you end it now. <laughs> awesome. Nikki. Well, thank you so much. You're so welcome. Mitchell. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Sunny Side Up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review us and share these insights with your peers. 